0: Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. <laughs> On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist, writer and remarkably relaxed chap Adam Phalp about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Adam Falp. How's it going? Hello. How are you? I'm well, mate. Yourself?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Thank you.
0: Ah, oh, it's quite right to to have you on the show. It's great. Um, it's okay. Thanks oh, for having me. No worries at all. Um, and uh, just so that uh, everybody that doesn't know who you are, um, who, what do you do in the world of comics?
1: <laughs> what do I do? Well, uh, I, I guess I'm probably most known. For um for a comic called the Fragment, which is about uh sort of follows the adventures of uh, a British secret agent uh who suffers from a uh, uh, sort of a multiple de- multiple identity disorder uh in 1950s london uh and then I also did um a book about a barbarian stuck in hell that's called living in sin Amazing. uh and that's that's kind of what you probably know me for.
0: Excellent, and um, just to kind of give the the listeners um, a bit of an idea of the style of these books, it's really kind of pulp style.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the the books I probably I probably speak about today, I think you'll probably be able to bring them back, and then yeah. you'll look at my books and then go, oh, okay, I see what's happening. See the inspiration. I see what's happened
0: definitely no no but it's absolutely fantastic um and uh the the most recent uh fragment uh book uh, has just been uh, funded on kickstarter hasn't it
1: yes yeah yeah i was very very proud to say because i didn't uh, i just had no idea what would happen with that and it was so it was a bit of a, a stab in the dark but everyone was um was very supportive very kind uh, they they clearly didn't want me to embarrass myself, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was funded, and I was I'm just sort of really really pleased with the whole thing.
0: Very much so, it's great. Um, and uh, again, for the for the listeners, where where would they be able to find that?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm probably I'm probably most active on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's just my name Adam um, and I sort of use I mean. You can. It'll definitely be about my work. I mean, I think if you're looking for sort of cat pictures and stuff, you're not going to get them because <laughs> I just it's solely a promotional tool, shamelessly. Sure. For for my artwork, uh, but yeah, they're the best places to find me. And you find links to uh, uh, the web store and the online portfolio and all that great stuff that you need now.
0: Yeah, that's it. Um, and your uh, your portfolio, it's uh, good for nothing comics oh uh, yeah right.
1: goodfornothingcomics.wordpress.com. you can sort of look yeah. at all the all the weird stuff i've put there over the last couple of years <laughs>
0: excellent and then there's a link to your store there where people can check out all your all your books and whatnot
1: yeah 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 uh, or if you want to go straight to it i think it's uh, goodfornothingcomics.bigcartel.com. for nothing i want to say
0: Bingo. Uh, Well, all those links will be in the show notes, so um, folks, you can go click straight through right there. Um, Now, um, unfortunately, I do have some bad news for you. Um, There has actually been an alien invasion on planet Earth. And they're they're starting off with the UK specifically, okay, um, (laughs) for for some reason, um, and specifically where you live. Um, So my first question to you is: What is your action plan for
1: survival? Well, for me, luckily, so I live in quite a uh, like I live in like a Roman city, right? And if you look out of my sort of window, you'll see a big uh, cathedral. Uh, so i think i'm off there mate if i'm honest i think it's the big heavy doors i think uh they've they've put like a little calf in the bottom of it there's no no sort of no cathedral relation i think that's just a money maker but i'm sure there's got to be some food in there as well no doubt uh so i'll just i'll shoot to the top of there no problem
0: bingo And, uh, and is anyone going with you
1: no, I don't think so, mate. Just okay, <laughs> go uh, solo. No, no, you can't, you can't rely on these people. Maybe there might be a, a, a vicar hanging around. I'll take him with me into the cathedral.
0: Awesome. Um, and so uh, one lonely night in this cathedral, whilst it's, it's kicking off elsewhere, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the subject of comics comes up, um, and, the, and the vicar asks, uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying?
1: Right, okay, so <clears throat> I, I think I don't, I don't think it was the first one I read, but it's certainly the only mm. one I could think of that first springs to mind. Uh, so when I was very young, uh, my dad used to work on a Sunday, and I had to go with him, and he'd always sort of shut me in like a conference room in his office. Wow. And the only, the, <laughs> so I didn't get in the way, I think. But the only thing I had with me was volume two of spider-man's tangled web right. um but there's some there's there's three books in here and the first two are, i remember thinking were very weird because i was quite young mm. so the first one's a bit strange and then the second one's very strange because it's all sort of painted and i remember finding like that was odd but then you get to the last one which is the one I, is the one i remember reading most uh was uh, Spider-Man's Tangled Web number 11, which is a story called Open All Night by, uh, with uh, script and pencils by Darwin Cook, the great yeah. Darwin Cook. Um, and this is just... Um, I was reading it again because I knew I was coming on. and It's not really a Spider-Man story, to be honest with you, Sam. I don't, okay. He's not really in it too much.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, they've gone gone off uh, off on a tangent.
1: Yeah, I mean the 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 basic premise is it's Valentine's Day, uh, and in the first couple of pages, uh, I think Spider-Man basically gets uh, beat up by the Vulture and sort of left down uh, the side of an alley, uh, and then it cuts to the Daily Bugle, uh, where these there's these two women uh, who both have dates. Uh, so they end up meeting at a coffee shop, uh, waiting for their date. Uh, and Flash Thompson is there. He's, he, he's, uh, he's trying to chat them up. He's trying to say, uh, you should come with me. It turns out the person they're, they're both waiting for is Peter Parker, who's obviously beat up down alleyway. He sort of comes to his senses at the end. Uh, he swaps his Spider-Man suit with a homeless man's clothes. Right. Uh, and then the two the two women uh, come to his house to angrily as, as they've been stood up, uh, and the, but they see he's in a bad way, and it sort of ends up happily ever after, where he takes the three the to both girls out on a date. Um, so it's a bit there's not much action, which and a strange look at that a young. Man would like this, but I think I just enjoyed the whole the soap the soap opera rightness that I love so much about Spider-Man stories. That it's not necessarily about Spider-Man; it's just like uh, about
0: teenage angst sometimes. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, but like yeah, so it's almost like a sitcom, but one of them just so happens to have the powers of a superhuman spider.
0: Oh yeah, that's, that's exactly what Spider Man is, isn't it? I mean, yeah. sorry. How how old were you at, at this time?
1: I, I think. I mean, I think that this come out sort of. I want to say late nineties, early two thousands, which would have made me about eight, I think. Right. Um. But but yeah, I mean the whole thing. I mean, compared to especially compared to the first the first two issues in this volume,
0: mm.
1: uh, they're very sort of serious. And then I remember sort of flicking over to to the darwin cook issue and it's just sort of beautifully illustrated written Mm. he's just he's just like a master of sort of cartooning really and I, i know um even even back then i think i knew how i wanted comics to be for me oh right yeah and i i sort of and so the first the first couple of issues i think the first one's by lee weeks and it looks great but it just didn't, it didn't sort of do anything for me yeah. until you get to the proper, the old school comics at the back, and that's where it's at.
0: Yeah, that's what really kind of yeah um, piqued your interest. Yeah, um, and and so never, do you? Th- do you think that kind of uh, inspired your art now
1: at all, or maybe maybe on a, on a subconscious yeah. level? I mean, I like I. D- I've got no problem with sort of, uh, sort of comics trying to look all sort of real and realistic and stuff, but I don't know, that's, that's not comics for me, mm. and if I was trying to like, look at some real stuff, I'd maybe like just look at some photographs, do you know what I mean? I just want to mm. see some comics for me are just are sort of cartoons, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so at this age, were you proactively kind of drawing or were you just drawing like every other eight-year-old?
1: Uh, a little bit. My mum used to draw. Right. Uh, she wasn't. She didn't sort of have any sort of art qualifications or anything like that. But she was always quite good. I think she did a little bit of art at school. Nice. Uh, and when I was really young, I, she used she used to like draw. There was one. I think I've still got it. It's like uh, just, she drew a picture of uh, Batman and Robin, but it was just the pencils, and then I coloured it in and absolutely sma- massacred it it looked terrible there was sort of crayons all over the place uh but I think it was good for me because I would, for the small child in me if you'd have told me uh that I'd probably have been better at art than she was now I'd yeah. have been pretty happy <laughs> and I think I am so bingo Dreams do, do come true. Yes, yes, they do. For <laughs> five-year-old Adam, dreams are coming true. Fantastic. Um, and
0: so the the, the vicar um, moves the conversation on and wonders, uh, what's the funniest or the comic that made you laugh out loud the
1: most? All <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, as I say, I will try to be a bit careful with this one, uh, but... Was, you sent you sent some odd questions over Sam. I've got to say because I don't know comedies for me. I, I find like strange. I find diff, it's funny what I find funny if you know what I mean. I don't sure. necessarily find the usual stuff funny. Yeah. Uh, and it, for me, it's all about things like timing and and stuff like that, mm. which is obviously pretty tough to come across in a comic yeah. because it's, you make the timing yourself. And I'm also a big fan of sort of ironic. I know a lot of people don't really like the ironic jokes, but I just love them. Sure. Uh, so I've, I've chosen a book that I come across. Uh, is, it's uh, Terror Assault on What? Or One Man War on Terror by Benjamin Mara. Yeah. Uh, so I think I bought this because I don't know if it was recommended. I don't know how I come across it. But I, I mean, bought the it.
0: cover is quite striking.
1: Uh, yes, isn't it? it? Uh, well, that catches yeah. your eye. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know how I come across this whatsoever. But I remember buying it and reading it, and not knowing much about uh, Ben Mara's work. I didn't know what he was about, mm. so I was reading it, and it's just, if you if you're not in on the joke, it's the strangest thing you'll ever read. I think. Right. Because it's just the 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 cartooning in it is very. Every, everyone's drawn like an action figure. They have like four yeah. points of articulation. So right. when the art, right. if an if an arm comes up for a punch, it's just straight. Yeah. Or if a leg goes up for a kick, it's as if you've like lifted the leg up yeah. by the hips on like an action figure. Uh, and and throughout as well, it's just. The character's just saying things that are happening, mm. uh, like uh, there'll be a kick to the face, and someone will say, "You've just kicked me in the face." Yeah, even though you've literally said that. <laughs> and then, and then you don't. <laughs> yeah, I think you do, it's, it's, if you don't know, understand, or if you don't, if you don't know what you, you're going into, then you can read it and you can think, "I don't know what the hell's going on here." Yeah. Uh, but then I think you sort of if you if you did sort of dive into mara's work a little bit more you find out like myself he's a big lover of so bad they're good films yeah and these sort of terrible 80s films where uh, everything's greatly exaggerated uh, and the actors poorly deliver their lines where Mm -hmm. they probably say what's just happened for no apparent reason, and then when you know that, you go through, and it's just the nice. most hilarious sort of everything about it's so ironic. Uh, the fight scenes are over the top. There's a p- particular panel that happens a few. It's a sequence that happens a few times where, for no reason, uh, the main character who uh, is one of the terror assaulters, which is a, a group formed by the American government after 9-11 uh so he he often he's like the he's like the main guy he's like the James Bond of the uh of the outfit yeah. uh, and there's a few sequences where he runs away from gunfire and does sort of backflips on the wall and then on the way out of the backflip kicks someone in the face and then there's more uh here's a kick to the face sort of on the uh but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of sex scenes, which are just pretty. I mean, they're pretty out there. Right. To be honest. Oh, is uh, it on
0: Team Team America kind of scale?
1: It's pretty bad. It's <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean, so the first time round, I didn't. I don't know if I found this funny at all. Right. Uh, right. Interestingly something like,
0: it was meant to be real serious or something rather than cheek. yeah
1: i just it's very <laughs> it's very strange if you don't understand but then you read you maybe you might hear an interview of him or you read another i i mean i've got all his books now he's he's done a uh they weren't they're not quite on it but he's a book called night business which is sort of in a similar vein and another one called american blood right um but yeah, then I think I went back to read this one, and it's just like the craziest, most out there. It's just sort of 90 pages of irony in a in a paperback, and it's fantastic.
0: Brilliant! I'm gonna have to get this because I haven't I haven't read it, but obviously I kind of looked it up um, and things, and yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. So um, I'm definitely gonna have to get get this. Um, I think
1: yeah I think now now I've told you and now I've let you in on the secret I think you'll enjoy it but oh, I, I do enjoy I've lent it out a few times my coffee just yeah. to um, just uh, but not told them about the oh, yeah. about that and just to see what they say when they come back to me what's and the general funny, so.
0: what's the general reaction that
1: you yeah have? just what sort of man are you is right. probably what, what I'd get what, yeah. what sort of man <laughs> reads <laughs> this what's and wrong collect- with you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: very much so. <laughs> oh uh, I guess it's like showing people the room or something like that. Um, yeah, so the room's
1: is great, isn't it? Uh, it's is so much
0: fun. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, anyway, um, so uh, the, the vicar uh, moves the conversation on, and time to get serious now. Um, yeah, I'm sure he yeah, wouldn't
1: have enjoyed yeah, that. I'm sure he wouldn't have enjoyed that suggestion. That's full but of, that's that's full of sins you know yeah. um, oh
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> then the uh, the vicar asked so what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read
1: Oh, this was this was harder than the funny one i can right. i i spent ages going through long boxes because i don't I don't know I just comics don't really seem to affect me in that way i can appreciate right. a sad story but i've never sort of yeah. been upset but the only thing i could think of is another sort of strange suggestion suggestion for myself i suppose and it's a mm. uh, doctor star and the kingdom of lost tomorrows right. uh, and this is um i think it's available in trade but i've got it in single issues and it's like another it's a spin-off one of the many spin-offs from the uh, jeff lemire's black hammer books yeah. which i love very much um and this is about um it sort of goes back i mean and if no one's ever read black Hammer uh black is about a group of superheroes who are older now and stuck on a farm uh and they don't know where they are and they can't leave mm. uh but in the in 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 most of the spin-offs it sort of comes back uh, and it shows the the group in mm. their heyday uh and one of the people they met uh back in the 40s i want to say or the 80s the 40s uh was uh, a guy called Doctor Starr who's uh and the first issue sort of tells you a bit about him, he's he's um he's he works in a lab on his own and he's sort of he's meddling with the power zone uh sort of parallel dimensions. Uh when the American government want him they come to him they want him to weaponize it for uh to use in the Second World War basically. Mm. So they give him a bunch of money he sort of tells his wife and his young child that uh you know, he's he's worked he's just worked tirelessly for this moment and he he sort of leaves and he says he'll come back when he's when he's done and then they can go and have a, a great life in the suburbs. Uh so eventually he sort of cracks the uh this sort of parallel dimension, he captures it in like a, a staff. Right, uh, and, and it sort of enables him to sort of go into space and do all this weird sort of interdimensional stuff. Um, so eventually, he comes back. Uh, he's sort of with his family, uh, but they just—he sort of decides that he can't. He need, he needs to try and find that excitement again that he got from when he when he first made his invention. So he becomes a superhero called Doctor Star uh he sort of he basically sort of abandons his family right um, then he then he comes he comes back after the end of the war uh and he's still looking for something to he's sort of longing for like a purpose still even though he and he's sort of not really paying too much attention to his son who's growing up now um and he, there's there's a there's a moment where uh, I think it's in the second issue where the the son asks him to take him to space. Uh, and Dr. Starr sort of snaps at him and says, Don't be stupid. Uh, and then the boy gets a bit upset and then he leaves. So then uh, Dr. Starr finds sort of uh, alien life and goes out into space, but realizes once he's out there <clears throat> that time works differently. And even though he's only been out there for eight hours or whatever it may be, he's actually been gone from Earth around 20 years. So he comes back. His son's grown up. uh, His wife is sort of like a a, a shadow of her former self. She's sort of sitting in front of the TV and drinking and smoking. Uh, Neither of them will talk to him, and he's sort of on his own. Uh, But anyway, trans... Throughout all of this story, uh, it's it flips back and forth um, for to uh, that are now an older doctor start on his way to the hospital, uh, and it turns out that a lot of the the radiation from his experiments actually caused his son to develop quite an aggressive cancer, um, and so he arrives in the hospital, uh, and of course the son is he's in such a bad way he's he's about to die Mm.
0: um
1: and then uh as it sort of rounds off the four issue miniseries he's he 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 isn't allowed to see him in hospital but he sneaks in um and he sort of expresses all his regret that he knows now that he shouldn't have have, uh, left his family the way he did um, and then he says he, he he calls back to that moment where when his son was younger he asked to be uh, taken space with him. Um, and he says he so, uh, he sort of expresses regret for that, and then the son sort of stirs a little bit, and he's he's very weak, and he says you can you can take me now. Uh, and then there's a beautiful sort of four or five pages at the end. The very end where um, Dr. Starr just carries his son into space uh, and they land on the moon and then the the boy dies in his dad's arms. Um, okay. <laughs> and I, it's um, the only book I can think of. I mean, I've read a, a few sad comics in my time, but it's the only one I felt genuinely sort of emotional at the end yeah. just because I felt so so sorry for this for the, the the protagonist i suppose i mean obviously he'd done wrong but he realized the error of his ways and but only then it was just too late and it sort of it dips in and out of sort of different as i say sort of goes back i mean mostly it's a tale of regret i suppose yeah. uh but there's a lot of sort of other uh parts in it where the doctor he spends some time trying to use his powers to look for a cure and He's unsuccessful, um, and it's really just he's just sort of a, been sort of left on his own now. And he goes back, and as I say, that that moment at the end is just really sort of touching.
0: Wow, well, yeah, absolutely, and really kind of upsetting. Um, wow, uh, that's quite a quite a journey a bit heavy. for Doctor Star. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's kind of um, that's very. I think it's very important um to kind of yeah have those types of stories out there um because you know in some ways i'm sure it's probably therapeutic for the creators um yeah. Yeah, to yeah. create this in terms of kind of you know getting across the fact that you know we we all make mistakes and yeah, yeah. We'll, we will all have regrets at some point um but if you can create a story that maybe touches someone that you know um stops them from making a mistake in terms of ignoring their families or something like that then yeah all, all uh all good for them
1: i think most impressive about the book is that you've got no you you've got no connection to dr star i mean he's a he's completely original for this four issue mini you don't have any prior knowledge about him uh and in the four issues he's able to make you just feel for him so
0: much yeah absolutely um that's incredible um so yeah that's a another one that's gonna have to be added to the list because that sounds uh pretty powerful um and, that's gotta uh, be
1: the bad thing about doing this show and it's um surely i think you, oh, mate, my you, you must me, go away spending, spending hundreds of pounds every week
0: yeah totally um it's just Ridiculous! I'm, I really do have a stack <laughs> that needs to be read very soon, um, but uh, yeah, um, we'll uh, hopefully get round to that at some point. Yeah. Um, maybe I should take a take a sabbatical next year, yeah. so I can read yeah. all the comics from this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> recommended to me, um, and so the, the the vicar moves the conversation on to to something uh, else more, maybe even more emotional. And that's uh, what's the scariest, almost horrifying comic that
1: you've read so i don't i don't really sort of dabble too much in the horror side of things but Mm. uh, i have a shelf next to my drawing table where i'm sitting now uh and it's you know it's got about five shelves and there's just full of books on the bottom but the top shelf is reserved my absolute favorite books uh and the and the only horror title up there uh, is a book by uh, John Lees and Ian Laurie, and it's called And Then Emily Was Gone, which I can only describe to you as the most disturbing thing I think I've ever read. Um, I met uh, – I first came across it because I met John Lees at a Thought Bubble maybe four years ago, maybe, um, and I actually went up to him because I wanted to buy a copy of Sink. Uh, which is another book he does. Um, And then I was about to leave and he said, would you like to, uh, can I tell you about this one as well? And I can't remember how he pitched it to me. I think he said something about maybe like Twin Peaks, but it was like more horror, something like that. But for whatever reason, I just grabbed it off him. And it's just one of my favourite books of all time. Uh, And the basic premise is there's a retired Detective who sees monsters, Um, and because of that, he sort of has become quite reclusive. Uh, But then one day, a young child knocks on his door and says that a friend Emily has gone missing uh, up in a town called Merksey, I think, in Scotland.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, And then the the pair uh, travel up there. Uh, they meet some of the locals of this sort of island, who are just the most disturbing people. Um, in the end, there's the. It turns out the the mother and father of the missing girl are sort of there's something untoward about them. I don't. I think I won't spoil the ending, but mm. just to just to show you how. Just, I sort of can't quite explain. I mean, there's a particular scene where uh, the father of the missing girl goes to a slaughterhouse uh, after killing a bunch of people. Right. Uh, and he arrives, uh, and there's like a page turn uh, where you sort of see what he sees, uh, and it is. Um, I can only describe it as like a huge tumor uh, hanging from the ceiling with six breasts and eight arms. Wow. (laughs) Uh, And it's um, uh, out of it, (laughs) it's sort of giving birth to like these oily monsters that are being made into sausages on an assembly line. Wow. Um, That's messed uh, up. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, I've become I've become quite friendly with uh, Ian Laurie, who does the art on this yeah. on sort of social media and stuff. Uh, and he seems like a sane man, and yeah. I've I've spoken to John Lee's as well several times at uh, ensuing thought bubbles, and he seems like a normal man. But <laughs> I can I'm I'm very concerned, Sam, about. <laughs> possibly you know that where these ideas have come from <laughs> definitely. and i'm not sure i think they may need help i mean the book's fantastic and i love it uh, but yeah i'm just i'm worried how do you come really, up
0: with this stuff
1: i'm really um, worried
0: yeah definitely and that is an interesting um idea isn't it how how do uh you know horror writers come up with such horrific things even though they're completely normal people um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I would like to learn more about the psychology of that
1: actually um i think can every i think everyone i've met who i've read a book from first who and the book's been a bit out there i've met them and they've been completely normal yeah and i think that's i don't know maybe the weird ones are making the are making the the doctor stars where you where where they make you upset and then just the normal the normal people are expressing their strangeness through books like "And Then Emily Was Gone." Yeah,
0: maybe that could be the case. Um, I'm gonna have to deep dive into that and see what see what's going on
1: there. Yeah, I mean, um, don't but... don't read it at night. I would say no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely not.
0: <laughs> um, looking at, looking at the the, the cover, um, yeah, it kind of it just it creeps me out a little bit.
1: Mm. I bought um, definitely. I bought a page of this book. I loved it so much. It's oh, sitting on it's, it's on my wall opposite me now. I can look at it. And it's just... Um, obviously, Ian's style is a bit um, out there, but I think if you look at his brushstrokes as well, they're just masterfully done. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for the mm-hmm. talent he has.
0: That's awesome. So... Definitely, yeah, if you're up for a, a horror comic and then Emily was gone by John Lees and Ian Laurie, sounds like your ticket.
1: Or if you're just a weirdo. If you're yeah. just a weirdo, <laughs> who enjoys sort of these big tumour things with big nipples.
0: Sure, why not? Well, we, can go <laughs> we can that,
1: grab one of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So uh, the, the vicar um, turns to a bit more of a positive note okay, and asks, on. what's the most meaningful comic
1: to you? So this was another one I struggle. I struggle with all your questions, Sam. I've got to say
0: they're really uh, tough, aren't they? Yeah, uh, like pin it down to one.
1: The only thing I could think of for several, for several sort of reasons, uh, was uh, X Men Grand Design by Piscor. Uh, mm. And when I was trying to think about what meant the most to me, all I could sort of think about is how they've influenced m- my life and me as a a creator and an artist uh, and the one person who did that was ed piscor because uh, i think i grabbed i grabbed the first one just because it looked cool on the shelf mm. i didn't really know too much about ed or his work and then i just read through and the way he in a sh- on on shelves full of these books that are trying to look sort of amazing and and realistic he's just tried to make he's he's the ultimate in old school and it's and it's just amazing and it's sort of and he's probably the main inspiration for for my books really and things like the fragment especially
0: nice
1: just to make um to make a to make a comic that looks like it's not from this time Mm. and the the book the um, the books themselves are just they're oversized
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're just beautifully created the way and I think one thing that I, I guess stands out to me is just the 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 amount of craft that goes into these is I think unlike anything yeah on the on the shelves today, which is probably why I think this is probably the best thing Marvel have put out in the last decade, really, All
0: right.
1: because it's not just a bunch of guys knocking up another Spider-Man story. I think, you know, Ed sat down, he's had to go through 30, 40 years of X-Men titles. He's had to condense them into eight issues. Wow. Um, and he sort of, he's, He's carved out the best bits. He's got rid of the stuff that he thought was rubbish. It's all uh, done uh, pen and paper or nib, and then with sort of screen tones laid over it. It's all hand-lettered, um, and then it is all sort of put into the computer, and then he masterfully makes it look older than it is. Yeah, uh, yeah and that's why he's only done eight books in... Four or five years, and I think I think it shows because he spent he must spend ages on these things. But but yeah, so the the books themselves and what they what I've taken from them and then put into my own work is what probably means the most to me.
0: No doubt, Um, because yeah, having an influence like that is. Um, yeah, as you say, it's just so meaningful, um, and it's it's almost an anchor as well. Mm. Like in terms of kind of you, if you feel like you're you're losing inspiration or something like that, then maybe this is the type of thing that you can go back to, um, and then redraw your inspiration from from the abyss. I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is always. I mean, i I need to get the trades because I know you put sort of extra stuff. Like I think I know you recolored the first issue of x-men okay uh, just because he simply wasn't happy with joe joe how they reprint yeah. books they're all sort of like these these really like bold colors and stuff and yeah. i think he said that was a bit of a travesty so he recolored them himself in his sort of coloring style to make it look old because he said that's how jack kirby would have wanted it not with all these sort of blocky sort of colors no. which i'd actually do quite like the blocky colors but but, yeah, so I think in, in his trades, they're massive. They're like, treasury size as well, which is just, like, my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. It's nice uh, to have something he, like
0: that, isn't it? It feels
1: really tangible. They're just great. It's great. Uh, and he's just such, like, um, it's, not, it's not just the stories or the art. It's just, like, the, the whole sort of craft of making something. Mm. And even, so, even things like the end, the end paper in the book is sort of meticulously chosen to sort no. of complement the rest of it. And it just becomes just a, just a beautiful thing. It's not yeah. just about the comic anymore. It's just a great thing to own. Definitely.
0: And that, that's kind of inspiring itself as well, and something to aspire to, I think, um, is to have something that's it's not just, I don't know, how's best to say that, um, not just any old comic. There's been so much craft that's been... Mm gone into it from the the drawing to the lettering and also to the the choice of the paper and the feel of it as well i think that's that's really
1: important i think that's something i've sort of really sort of come into this year Mm. just just like the way my favorite artists at the moment don't stop once the ink's sort of done and and they've finished the artwork you know the, Mm. the production of the book. Mm. Is something they take great pride in and it shows i think as well when you pick up one of these books
0: absolutely and um, that's fantastic um so that's another one on the pile um one on the pile. <laughs> thanks adam uh, and so the, the the vicar uh moves on to another difficult question and and that is what's the most underrated comic that you've ever read
1: uh so i don't know if this is underrated at all uh but I don't hear people talk about it enough. Is maybe why I think it's underrated. Uh, so I went back to the favourite shelf of mine, and I whipped off uh, "Kill or Be Killed" by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Elizabeth Brettweiser. Uh, I don't know if you read this, Sam. Uh, I haven't. No. Uh, this no, but is. I've just
0: heard so many good things about it. That it's another thing that needs yeah, to be on my
1: list. Uh, this, I mean, the, the only reason I probably say it's underrated, like I don't, no one's ever like me it was like bad or i've only ever heard good things about it but that i think the first issue i I, because i got it through i got the first issue through them sort of image first reprints right Uh, and i've never um got a trade paperback so quickly after reading a book i think i ran Hmm. because lucky I, i live quite near a comic shop thankfully and i i think i just ran to the shop really and just bought it and i was back at home reading it within probably 20 minutes that was awesome. uh, and it's just you know the, those especially the first volume is just the some of the best comics i've ever read uh i'm really i'm i'm big into sort of my sort of mystery crime uh stuff like that uh and these two uh Brie Baker and phillips are just the masters for me uh, the story itself is about sort of a young guy who um, – he, he's got a lot of sort of oh, – probably, I'm probably going to say mental health problems, but not in like yeah. sort of depression and sort of stuff like that. Um, uh, and he's sort of going to he, – he attempts suicide and it doesn't work because mm. he, he sort of gets – he jumps off a building but then gets snagged on like a clothesline and then ends up just like landing in trash and then just gets up like embarrassed. Uh, and then he goes to sleep that night and he looks up and there's like a demon in front of him who tells him, uh, he has to kill or be killed essentially. So he's got to seek out, you know, he's got to find people who, uh, he thinks deserve to die and kill them. Uh, he, after hearing this, he obviously thinks it's all in his imagination Uh, and then but slowly uh, as as the weeks go by he becomes very ill Uh, and as soon as he uh, decides that okay I'm probably gonna have to kill someone now uh, he just feels so healthy again right Um, and then it's, it's sort of and then the series itself it's 20 issues and it goes on and it's sort of you know there's sort of different sort of threads that they put on so it just so happens the the demon uh was a painting that he finds in his mum's uh at attic uh and then it's just like the whole thing's just one sort of big mystery as to is it all in his head is he just turned into a murderer and this is how he's subconsciously processing that Mm -hmm. um I think at one point he ends up in like a a mental institution where he ends up killing everyone in there to try and escape. Um, But yeah, I love uh, both of their work. I think this is the best thing they've done. Um, And I'm just a big fan. Of both of them? Of both of them. Both of them together. They're just sort of. Yeah. They're just gold really, when they get together I think Ed can just write crime books like there's no no one else. Sean Phillips is just like the I don't think there's a better person drawing sort of these sort of pulpy comics out yeah. there. Sort of the he's a master of black of shadows, is certain this is a book I studied as when I was before I even drew my first comic I was trying. I was looking to him because the way he just does even even subtle things like the shadows on on faces Mm. are just sort of masterfully done, and the way he uses black um, is fantastic. And I think the colouring as well is. um, I mean, it's important to not forget that because I think it's easily done. Uh, But then you sort of look through, and the whole thing is just sort of this bleak noir sort of tones and the whole thing again as as a as a package it's just it's all there and it's beautiful
0: nice nice um and so we come on to the to the hardest question of all uh for you what is the best comic of all time
1: okay so i mean i must i must admit here i think i've done i was trying to look at it sort of quite objectively i guess uh, and i wanted to i wanted an answer that I know everyone could wouldn't no one could argue with, if you know what I mean. Sure. So I've actually I so I picked Fantastic Four number one because for mm. me it's the start of everything we have now that's good. It's done uh, by uh, Mr Stanley and Mr Jack Kirby who of course is greatest comic artist of all time you know yeah,
0: forever will be
1: no one could tell me otherwise <laughs>
0: yeah
1: um and yeah it is i mean i'm sure uh everyone has sort of read or knows of the first issue of fantastic four it starts it introduces the characters very well uh it sort of co. it cuts back to um their sort of accident in space and then uh they they come back to Earth and, and tackle the Mole Man, uh, mm-hmm. but my I think my favourite thing about the book is probably when he is the flashes of Kirby-ness is probably what I take the most from this because when he's doing it, obviously it's a very, quite early Kirby, and he's he does it. Uh, and it's it's kind of like in in the style of his romance comics, right? Um, but every so often, you'll come across the panel which is just so later Kirby. Uh, there's the, there's one particular uh, one where they're they're going up to space, uh, and they're just about to be hit by sort of the radiation and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like a shot of Mister Fantastic, and it's just the uh, in like 20 pages of sort of Kirby being quite sensible. Mm. He just, he just goes for it in this one, one panel through the face. And it's just like this big Kirby face. And it's just sort of, to me reading it, it sort of stands out because, uh, it's, it's quite sort of meek in, uh, in comparison to his later stuff. Uh, but then that panel, he's just, he went for it. And I think he probably looked back at that and, Sort of developed into into the artist we know and love.
0: Incredible, and uh, I mean, yeah, as you say, nobody can really argue with that. <laughs> I think <laughs> because that, I that's think where just, it
1: really all started. Yeah, I mean, I think the importance of it on its own is probably what makes it for me the yeah. the greatest. Just because, I mean, obviously the story goes that. Uh, Marvel were just about to shut up shop um, and then Jack and Stan got together, made this book, sneaked it through the press uh, and then got it printed and then distributed it. And the rest is history.
0: Very much so. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's uh, just such a great legacy that um yeah, it, it, it probably is the the best comic of all time
1: no yeah i'm glad you're in agreement so <laughs> excellent <laughs> now we could agree
0: oh yeah for sure man um and so uh we come on to our last question um and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse from this list which would it be
1: uh so i i decided to cause obviously alien invasions who knows how long they're going going on for so I went. I'm I've, out of all of them books, go quite practically, and I will take Ed Piscor's X-Men for the simple fact that it's not just sort of one comic; it's sort of forty, forty, fifty years of comics and story tales, all sort of all pushed into one. So I can enjoy every X-Men comic that that's been made, not just you know the one Fantastic Four book
0: fantastic i'd say that's a pretty good choice um and along with x-men grand design by ed piscor um what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take into the alien invasion
1: uh i mean i sort of i did i did a very quick five minute search about what would be best (laughs) and uh, i think I think the best I could come up with was just, was uh, was like an axe I think but like a, a thinner one maybe like a uh one they use sort of for a lot of mountain climbing Okay and it sort of got It got a bit deep. I think I ended up on Reddit, I've got to say. Of course. Uh, The best part of the interview. And and it was was just sort of people going on and on about how these things, because obviously I think the main suggestion is probably like a sword, I'm going to guess. Sure. Um, But that apparently they're not very good and they – you, you take Unless a lot you
0: of, know how to use
1: it yeah you could spend a lot you can uh spend a lot of energy swinging the sword, whereas there uh, whereas uh, an axe is a little bit more uh easy to use, go straight for the head, obviously I don't want anything with uh ammunition I didn't need reddit to tell me I didn't need things of ammunition, nothing that can make noise, yeah so then I was as I say I was going to go for a sword but uh, I thought I'd mix it up and go for it. for uh, like a
0: nice, a nice axe. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's what you've got. Uh, you've got your X-Men Grand Design book and your uh, and your axe <laughs> as well. Yeah. And stainless steel so it doesn't rust or anything like that. So Absolutely. That, yeah. That's all covered as well. Um, fantastic. Well, Adam Falp, thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, man. No worries. And uh, one last time, uh, where can listeners find you?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Phelps. I post all my strange retro things on there.
0: Excellent. And then uh, apart from uh, Fragments, uh, do you have uh, any other um, projects coming
1: up? Uh, uh, I'm not sure when this will go out, but I guess... Uh, I'm doing like a, a secret sort of mini book for Small Press Day, which is uh, in July. Um, yes. So if it's if it's out after that, then I'm sorry you missed it because I think I'm only, I'm I'm being weird and only having it for sale that weekend. Oh, um, right, cool! And then because just cause I wanted to see how that would affect sort of sales, like yeah. for some weird, weird reason, uh, and then. Uh, I haven't got much, I'm just sort of getting ready for the rest of this year, I'll be spending getting ready for next year, because I've got some, some grand plans, um, oh, nice. which is going to take up the whole of my year, because I'm a crazy person, and <laughs> and I plan my comics years in advance. Excellent. Well, I'm
0: sure it will show uh, when it comes out, and I uh, look forward to, uh, to seeing what you come up with. Yeah, thanks, man. Excellent. All right, Adam, well, thanks again for your time today, and uh, hopefully see you at a con soon.
1: Yeah, yeah, cheers, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Cheers, bye. bye. Thanks again to Adam for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Adam's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.